carnivorous couch Shit happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous couch With Brady and Rob Hey everybody, hey everybody, hey everybody, well, thank you and welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch, the podcast where we do a film a week from two film geeks. This week we did 2015's Call Me Lucky, and there's mm-hmm. one person speaking, that's definitely Rob. Ah, uh, uh, that is you. There's another person who's <laughs> now speaking, that's Brady. We're Brady and Rob, we're the two film geeks that we aforementioned. Uh, we are. Yes. Individually and collectively. Well, individually, I am Brady. He is Rob. That's Together, correct. though, we're Brady and Rob. Yeah, that's about how the English language works. Thanks, Brady. I'm here to teach. Okay. So, uh, what do we do first? Yeah, uh, since we don't have a garage door in the studio anymore, the are we <laughs> just be me opening a drink. It's going to signal that we are lushes. Um, I'm not a lush. No, oh, there you no. go. You're speaking for yourself. You're very. You got good temperance there, buddy. Indeed. Indeed. Won't speak for myself. Uh, so, I don't know. Th- since you proposed this, I guess you should do the synopsis, eh? Well, okay, I will. But, I mean, yeah, it's going to be tough because I don't think we've done any documentaries before. We have, but. Okay. Well, but we it did Grizzly Man. Right. Yeah, that's less of a documentary documentary. Right, because it's very, yeah, exactly, but nebulous and it's plotting. Yeah, so the whole thing, that's the thing that uh, I understand that's going to happen with this is like, yeah, that was that movie and that's what happened. It's With documentaries, there's less leeway to talk about, and this camera shot in this angle. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so at any rate, this is Call Me Lucky. This is about Barry Crimmins, who, he was a G. A G? Yeah. Like a, a, an OG? Well, like if I hook you up with a bathroom. Yeah. And you've never had a bathroom before. Yeah. We'll say that I hooked you up with a bathroom because I'm a G. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. G isn't like good person or whatever. Yeah, it's like this is a cool guy. Yeah. So and Barry Crimmins was a G. He um, was. R.I.P. Until very recently, he passed away in 2018. And, um, yeah, he passed away in 2018 with Bobcat Goldthwait, who made this movie, and his wife at his side. I should probably have flipped the order on those two. <laughs> his wife was probably more important. Well, Goldthwait's the director, so I guess he gets uh, yeah. seniority. <laughs> Let's, okay. Um, anyway, it opens with him giving sort of a political speech, which is interesting because, you know, he's known for being a stand-up comedian. And then it goes on to have all these comedians giving reviews of his sort of uh, mythical standing in the stand-up community. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I like that one of the uh, things was, uh, he's, he's kind of intense and like aggressive and invasive. And I was just thinking like, these are all things that do not fly. People don't even want that from stand-ups anymore <laughs> these days. Yeah, I think Patton Oswalt is like, he's, click uh, past Bill Hicks in terms of like his his edgy uh, in your face style and he's got a lot of impassioned beliefs yeah I, I mean I don't think he's 
I don't think he's more edgy than Bill Hicks. Bill no, Hicks was I think edgy it's more for the sake of a matter edgy. of presentation. His presentation is even less varnished than yeah. Bill Hicks. So um, all these people kind of give reviews of him and saying like, yeah, he's a good guy and blah, blah, blah. And uh, then we go into like, you know, his sort of um, political sort of thing. Uh, thing is that you know he's, he's he was a very political comic uh he fucking hates reagan obviously uh, yeah uh he, that's made very clear and this and that and then we go into his kind of comedy roots where he's funny as a kid and he's kind of doing comedy in the his hometown which he doesn't like very much mm-hmm. um, in upstate new york yes and then uh furthermore he is doing other things like they kind of foreshadow what this film eventually becomes to be about and this is very much why it's a hard watch i guess i meant to say that ahead of time was this film is a very well done and but it's a very hard watch so if you haven't watched it already prepare yourself before you do um but they've kind of foreshadowed this where he's talking about uh, working with a priest who he kind of feels like is a pedophile mm-hmm. um Anyway, so it goes very much through his uh, his politics, and then it goes more uh, through the comedy, and then people talk about this underlying anger and aggressiveness and this and that that he has, and it's all building up to something. Uh, and then they hit on the news uh, kind of review and art review, where one night at Stitches, he just kind of drops this bombshell on the audience in the middle of a stand-up show of what happened to him when he was a kid uh and he was you know repeatedly raped Mm -hmm. and um uh by somebody who was Uh, very bad in his 40s 50s i took yeah i have no idea how old but um and and he was four yes yeah and suffocating at the time yeah almost asphyxiated to death in the couch cushions to try to keep him from making noise. Right. Yeah, grim. Um, and then after that, we go into the point in time where he kind of goes on AOL and finds that there's a whole community of these people, and he entrenches himself in that for seven months and gathers evidence and kind of takes AOL to Congress and says, hey, yo, you need to do something about this because... You're, right. you're enabling and emboldening these people. And they had a, like a three strikes policy on child pornographers and chat rooms. But a three strikes policy on everything. That yeah. was kind of questionable content in, in uh, chat Those rooms. Days. And, that. and so they did change that to like a one strike policy. Um, but yeah, I mean, plot wise, well, it's a documentary, so there's not that much plot. It's just, here's this dude and here are the things. Right, right. So, but yeah, uh, it's very well done, and oh, and we should say just for context, uh, he Barry Crimmins started uh, the Boston comedy scene in was it the eighties, late eighties? Yeah, I mean, um, let me see, it was late seventies, I oh, think. Oh, okay. He basically, uh, when they're going through his comedy credentials, they go through the he came uh, down to the uh, Ding Ho. Chinese with, restaurant. With a Chinese restaurant where they were doing square dancing four nights a week, and he's just like, shit. 
Fuck this. If these guys, if these guys can be talked into doing square dancing, because that's what they think Americans are into, I can talk them into anything. I'm going to talk them into turning this into a comedy club. <laughs> right. And uh, the scene he helped to foster and start uh, included uh, Bobcat Goldthwait himself, uh, Paula Poundstone, uh, who I love her performance in the show Home Movies, uh, Dennis Leary, and Stephen Wright. Uh, and then also, um, uh, he's, he's featured so many times in it. Uh, oh, Dana Gould? Uh, no, but I'd, he's one of the interview people, and I'm blanking on his name. Lee, uh, Lee, no, to, damn it. It'll come. No, it won't. Um, <laughs> Margaret Cho? No, but did you write down any of the people that were kind of being interviewed? Well, okay, I, you get interviews from a lot of famous people. Patton Oswalt's a particularly famous one. And particularly often used. Uh, yeah. God damn it. Because Oswalt's a very compelling narrator. No, is it Lee? No. God damn it. Larry? No. Oh, Larry. Yeah, Larry Clark. Larry Clark, thank you. Oh, no, okay. Lenny Clark, I'm sorry. Lenny, Lenny Clark. Clark, there we go. Yeah, because, and the film tells us they were kind of like the two-headed, they they were like the leaders of the scene. Right. Even, uh, I should point this out because I think this is kind of important in the development, even though um, in terms of star wattage, Barry, in spite of being the leader, was kind of not one of like the more thought of comics at the time. He was like, I, the way I analogized it for any Wu-Tang Clan fans is Barry was like the RZA. He's not like what you automatically go to as like the star wattage comic but he is the organizer and the figurehead of all of it yeah and i mean also he was just less accessible than most people because he was talking about real shit and you know he to the point where right. they get into this in the film they talk about how he was actually just upset with kind of sticky uh comedy right <laughs> i love that <laughs> any, like anything where it's just like well, why does this guy work in a convenience store? It's like, write a goddamn act. <laughs> why do women like to go shopping so yeah, much? Yeah, right. So. Yeah, just like, it's such the hacky, I mean, I guess this is in the 80s, but it's so like what the 90s gets made fun of for, just these very stale tropes that people come back to. Right. So, yeah, that's the that's the plot synopsis, but then the next segment that we do is uh, how we like it. All right. Um, Hey, 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 how do we like it? Brady, how did you like this? How did I like it? Okay, let me preface here. Um, in the early going, I thought it was was just fine. Um, it is, and I'm not even going to criticize the movie for it. In fact, I might end up at an even higher compliment based on this, but I'm not the hugest fan of Talking Heads documentaries. I don't know how else you would tell this story, but, you know, I like documentaries with a little bit more cinematic flair to them. Uh, so for the most part, the early going, I thought this was good and informative. Uh, but I think at a certain point, once that revelation drops, uh, I no longer cared about some of the more basic elements of this, about its basicness, let's say. You know, like I, I didn't love the animation things that can get a little hacky. And it seemed out of nowhere because they only did it a couple times. Um, but the power of the pieces it's been setting up, once we get to what Crimin's real role was, what kind of his destiny was, was to lead like this this campaign. He, he was the comedian who, like you say, sometimes would get so impassioned he'd forget to even tell a joke. 
he really just wanted to lay his heart bare and let you know, you know, what he thought about corruption and institutions and especially, as the movie makes clear, institutions that victimize people, that hurt people. And by the end of it, uh, I really, really liked it because I, I think the story is just good. This, uh, starting from the fact that, like, okay, he, this guy starts this scene, but, like, he's not the best at it, right? Like, they keep saying, like, oh, like, he was great, but, like, he's not, like, maybe as remembered as Dennis Leary or Stephen Wright or any of the big boys. But even that, I feel like, uh, attains a kind of relevance because what he's really meant to do is to harness that passion and that anger and that humor and to actually put it to do some social good in the world. And so I, I, by the end, I found this very, very moving um, to see how this guy, like, this very unusual, because he's presented as kind of a, an odd peg, even in the uh, raucous comedy scene. It's like, wh what do you make of Barry? He's, he's just like, sometimes he's just too much, but he, he goes and takes that too muchness and actually helps to really do something meaningful in the world. And I, I thought that was a cool, cool story. Yeah, uh, I, he definitely is like the odd peg or kind of the iconoclast but in a different way, because usually when we think of comics as iconoclasts, we think about, and there's a whole segment on this in the film, where, you know, everybody's off their knockers, like, just doing uh, fucking blow, and, you know, Lenny Clark comes mm -hmm. in and just chainsaws a table in half at one point, and, you know, all this crazy stuff is going on, and um, Barry wasn't really into that. He was, he was into, like, no, I want to get up here and say something. And, no, I'm not doing cocaine. I hate the fact that all of you guys are. I'll get up here and drink, but I'll never get drunk. And, right. and you know, it, they painted that very clearly as a coping mechanism, like, because of his pain. Like, uh, one person said a good line in there, which was like, uh, he, I never saw him without a beer in his hand. He was the hardest drinking non-alcoholic I've ever met. <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> um so, yeah, no, I, I really like this. Um, I, I understand the sort of Talking Heads documentary but you know critique, but it, 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 they just kind of open with that, just like, this is how we're going to introduce who this person is, and now we'll get to the meat of the film. Right. I, I think it's like a steak and potatoes thing where what Goldthwait really has is a good story, and he's trying to get it out of its way. Right. Um, and I, you know, I was kind of blown over and impressed by it, by the power that this ended up. Uh, building yeah um no narration it, it lays the character pieces very well what you get is a picture of a guy who's completely sincere but he is absolutely indelicate and he doesn't maybe at the start other than starting the scene which is no small thing doesn't know what his purpose is yeah and 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 to be to be fair there was a scene um i i know i couched this to you when you were that he started the boston comedy scene uh, there was there were clubs around there, but he started a club basically that became one of the most well known clubs of that era. Right. Would be probably the oh, best yeah, no, way I to Oh, I mean, put it. hugely important in comedy. Let me let me be clear on that. But yeah, and and you know, as it went on, like I I found him to be very uh, yeah very articulate and impassioned. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was just. I was very moved by it. Yeah, I mean, in that opening uh, thing, uh, they have an interview with his neighbor later on. I think that the person in the opening, uh, sort of where the various people are giving their 
testimonials on Barry Crimmins. Mm -hmm. um, but there's one clip of just a neighbor who's outside, and this seems to be like his um, his next door neighbor who wasn't in the film, but they just said, do you have anything that you'd like to say? And he says, he's the finest person I've ever met, period. Right. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I really like this movie. It's a bear for me to watch, uh, you know, as it is. I'm, like, crying most of the time. Uh, sure, when, yeah. Once you get past the comedy days and you're into, <laughs> you know, him coming to terms with his sexual abuse and, um, you know, sort of, like, finding a way to get through it by fighting that fight. Like, he could at least identify some people that needed the fighting done against them right you know I, I just enjoy it's like everything that maybe like i, I i'm careful not to like denigrate him because i i really like him but uh, the limit his limitations as a traditional stand-up are so huge and important when he becomes a political advocate for these victims the fact that maybe he gets so impassioned that he loses control of himself becomes a very good thing when you're fighting injustice and yeah, I think that's so cool. Well, and yeah, and and I think that the reason that so many comics um, remember him in that light and so forth is because this, you know, um, when around the time he kind of left the clubs and stopped doing it so much and started doing things more like speaking to a crowd of people and, you know, uh, hey, if you see something like this sort of tact where, yeah, I'm a comic and I'm going to tell a couple jokes here, but also if you see something wrong, talk about it. Um, is like the second phase of his career. Right. And that's that was a big thing for comedy coming out of the 80s going into the 90s. I mean, that's like that's why Hicks was big. Bill Hicks. And, the truth uh, tellers, they say. Right. I, well, there was... The 70s was kind of like... It was a counterculture offshoot. Mm -hmm. The 80s, it became commercialized. The 90s, it became... Uh, and this era is kind of past, unfortunately, uh, I think. Uh, it might come back, but uh, the 90s to the early 2000s, it became more of a, uh, hey, no, these are the people who philosophize and articulate things without accepting the status quo because they just think differently and their job is to get on stage and sort of, hypnotize you into their way of looking at things so that right. they can make a point that other people aren't willing kind to. Of to detonate and subvert perception and, and that old ideas. Big thing, especially in Boston in the nineties as far as I know. I Sorry. I haven't <laughs> been to Boston for a long time. Like I'm not an expert on the comedy scene, but from what I know and what I hear of Boston comics like Bill Burr or like Greg Fitzsimmons or other people like that, mm -hmm. they all talk about this period of time being like this. So. Interesting. So what do we give it? Uh, I, I give it a 92. Nice. Or I'm a, a, so that's an A. I'm minus. giving it a B plus, but let like, me be clear. I really like this, and I thought his story was was actually very beautiful by the end. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I appreciate just the way the character building of this, I think, is is pretty damn underrated. Uh, I thought it, because by the end I was stirred by every word he said, and I think it's like his comedic instincts or his practice in the comedy sphere 
give him kind of in the way that it did for Carlin an eloquence and an, abil- an ability to write, you know, political messages that aren't just rote that have a bit of wild maniacal inspiration to them. Yeah, I agree. Um, we're <laughs> we kind of touched on this in the how do we like it and the plot synopsis, but Brady, what's it all about? <laughs> it's about the Boston comedy scene. But if we're going poetically, what the whole piece is about, I think it's about anger and channeling it. Channeling your anger and trying to locate your voice and what your purpose is in regards to that voice. Because his whole buildup as a comedian is about like, oh, he's like, he could get a little wobbly. He's so full of fire that... Sometimes people are like, oh, is that, is this like, what is this as comedy? And by the end, it's like, well, whatever it is as comedy, it is beautiful, beautiful statesmanship when it, once it comes to this mission of his, um, you know, to, to protect people. And yeah, I, I like that line he says where it's like, what country am I from? I'm from the country of, of the victimized. I'm from the country of people who are hurt. And yeah, he just... He has so much presence in speaking to that issue. Yeah, I think it's it's about... I think this is obviously an important point in t- this day and age where we have a leader whose purpose is to make people angry. I think it's very importantly about trying to use anger. Don't, you know, douse it. Don't put your anger out. But to use it in the best way you can and to get some kind of mastery over it. Because um, it's good to be angry... But don't lose the force of your rhetoric. Don't lose, you know, your message in that anger. Yeah, I, I would agree with those are the things that are kind of what's it all about. I mean, I remember early on in the film, they sort of foreshadow, they, they do about two things that foreshadow, uh, you know, what's to come, which, mm-hmm. I mean, if you didn't know anything about this movie and you were just watching it, you wouldn't know. You would just be, oh, that's a documentary about a comic. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, at one point, he says, what's the worst? Childhood. Right. Yeah, which, that's which is interesting, because this is also, like, uh, interstitial, or inter- <laughs> interspliced with scenes of him and his mother, and he has a very good relationship with his mother. Right. And, and so forth. So you're just like, okay. And so his father. Yeah, and his father. And so it's like, okay, it's not because they're crazy or bad or anything. Like, what the hell is he talking about? And then they introduce the church. It's like, oh, well, maybe it's yeah. that. And, and then he just has the stories about this priest that never got a hold of him. But he's like, I know, I knew he was a, a fucker. Right. Um, and that priest does come back later as uh, people say, oh, no, it's good to hear that he had run into with, with him, too. And yeah, he knew what and, was up. and in a very cohesive way, because... It's not like, oh, this like extra detail about his life as a kid working for the church is shoehorned in. It uh, ties in thematically to his whole deal about standing up to institutions that hurt people and that don't own up, aren't, aren't accountable uh, for the harm they do. Yeah. So I guess what I would say what this is about uh, is that all of us, you know, uh, and this is to borrow from like a song I was writing way back when, but all of us from children, uh, from childhood are shot out of a cannon. And some of us find our way back home and kind of try to do what was 
told to us. Others of us run off and join the circus. Mm. And that uh, in joining that, that you kind of, those folks are the ones who, uh, you know, they're running away from the childhood. They're running away from this and that. And there's a lot of talk about getting through it, which is figuring out a way to make your impact on the world you're running into while getting through what you're running away from. So that, that sounds like a bunch of doublespeak and a bunch of gobbledygook, but let me flesh it out. Um, is that when things happen, you have to channel those things into goodness. And because of what has happened, you might not really have a very good idea of what that is. Yep. So it's about the journey of finding what goodness is. There's very much about this, about his feelings on Catholicism. I, you know, like uh, one of the opening lines is, uh, I'd like to dismantle the United States government and I'd like to abolish the Catholic Church. Yeah. Um, and what those two things are like, okay, here's our two guidance structures, right? <laughs> the the freaking country you belong to and this and that. And he's like, yeah, both these things are wrong. Um, and so in running away from them, I had to find my own idea of what was right. And, and given by all the people around him that um, kind of thinks so highly of him and thinks so highly of what he did, um, and how he did it is that, all right, yeah, no, these structures and everything aren't the end-all, be-all of uh, what is good and what is right. If you put in the work, you can find a way to do good by people, and that's really the point. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about, It's finding a way to do good by people, even if, you know, the uh, stereotypical systems of how you do that are freaking absent yeah well said so yeah um again this is a heavy movie so thinking about all these things and trying to go through you know I, at a certain point i just stopped writing stuff down because i was like i can either watch this and actually take in the film or uh, i can write stuff down and i wanted to watch it again and, and take in the film um uh, and, it, you know, to, to take something like this in, there's not really a whole lot left <laughs> to be scribbling down in the notebook. <laughs> so um, let's take a break, and then we'll do our understudy and uh, uh, talk a little bit more, and then uh, maybe a Metacritical, and then uh, wrap up. Uh, yeah, that is the order. Okay, so here's understudy. We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors To do the scene from this screenplay But we've got two understudies And to be honest, they're probably more famous anyway So try to guess the actors, try to guess the movies Tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch This game called understudy Is happening, happening, happening right now so, uh, what's it say? You want to read it? Mm, no. Have you had any uh, experience with that? 
20 years of counseling, you see a lot of... No, no, I Have you had any uh, experience with that? Yes. It sure ain't good. <laughs> My dad used to make me make us walk down to the park and collect the sticks he was going to beat us with. Actually, the worst of the beatings were between me and my brother. We would practice on each other, trying to find sticks that would break. <laughs> you used to just put a belt, a stick, and a wrench on the kitchen table and say, choose. Gotta go with the belt there. I used to go with the wrench. The wrench? Why? Oh, cause fuck him, that's why. Is that why uh, me and Skyler broke up? I didn't know you had. Do you want to talk about that? I don't know a lot. Well, <sighs> but let me tell you uh, one thing. All this history, this shit, look here, son. This is not your fault. No, uh, I know. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your work. I know. It's not your fault. Uh, don't f fuck with me. It's not your fault. <laughs> I know. That was undecided. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y couch. Hey everybody, hey everybody, that was understudy, I guess. What happened to me? There I am. That was, uh, well, <laughs> Brady picked it. Guess it's an apropos pick for this week, but it yielded a, well, that scene could have been done a lot funnier. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know we just played it straight. <laughs> well, given the impression I was doing, I, of course, uh, right, had oh, to see, play yeah. it straight. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, go on Twitter and tweet at Carney Couch, yo, that was from this movie, and you were impersonating blah, and Brady was impersonating blah, and then if you get it right, we'll do a movie of your choosing, or I think that's yeah, what we figured maybe out. Maybe one that was. doesn't involve childhood trauma. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. And you actually guess those things correctly. If you're call me lucky. So... <laughs> Okay, so where are we at in this whole thing? Uh, we were talking about some stuff. Do you have something particular you want to bring up? I got, I got a bunch of boxes here. Uh, well, then you should go. Ah, shit. I got to find one of the boxes. <laughs> How many boxes you got? Uh, uh. Okay, let me say something that I think is very important about what Barry Crimmins did that's kind of getting lost now, and I hope I don't totally fuck this up or sound like a total blowhard. But um, Barry Crimmins spoke about authoritarianism back in 1990. And not that we were falling into it, but that we've been in it. This is a very severe problem, uh, severe problem in this country. And uh, we've been in authoritarianism for a long time. We're headed towards totalitarianism. I can't speak. Totalitarianism. And anyone who wants to talk about this is nerfing it by causing it authoritarianism and fascism that we're falling into. Maybe it's... The friggin' uh, sort of uh, Hunter S. Thompson version of American fascism. But I would like to say that this guy was spot on with it back in the 90s before everybody was jumping on the, the bandwagon with it. And he spoke about it correctly mm -hmm. as opposed to making it all diffuse and everything. 
through what we do now. And I, I guess that was one of the things that pissed him off, too, is, is that when people talked about um, politics, when people talked about what was wrong or, or things, there's that whole scene where, like, they're talking about how, how hard he would come down on hecklers. Mm -hmm. And he's, like, destroying that kid who's yelling at him, going, like, what, did you vote for Carter instead of, um, instead of uh, Reagan? He's just like, oh, yeah, because if I don't like Reagan, I must like Carter. Like, that's, that's a bunch of bullshit. And, yeah. and you know, it's the kind of... <laughs> so he was talking about that in 80, whatever. Right. And we're still talking about that exact same shit now. It's just that, I don't know, the people who I think have more correct opinions and are uh, trying to be more nice to people as in general and go like, like, this is how you treat people good and this and that, are mm -hmm. still falling for this bullshit of dualism and, and this and that. Like, you know, Barry Crimmins died in 2015. <laughs> Maybe that's good. Uh, uh, he wouldn't have liked he to... He wouldn't have ran, ran through 2016 and beyond very well. <laughs> right. That kind of gets back to the message of the movie. It's how to keep a level in a pad, which is funny because... The last thing you think of with Barry Crimmins is a level head. His whole thing is he's he's a cyclops without the mask. His energy is just like, but the movie is kind of about um, you know trying to cultivate a a subtle and nuanced message, even well, though you feel things very deeply. Well, I mean, and the other thing that that the film drove home, kind of as an ancillary point. They had the one friend of his who was a Reagan supporter and stuff on, mm -hmm. and, and that Barry Crimmins had friends who were the political antithesis of, of who he was and what he believed and, 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 like, stuff that he railed against. And he would tell them that their ideals were wrong, but he would treat the person as a human. Mm -hmm. And it even goes so far in the film where he's talking about the, the monster who perpetrated all this against him, where he's just like, you know, you know for him to just die... Or like for me to kill him or whatever would have just it would have been too good for him right and uh like i don't know kind of where he came from or this and that but uh i'd rather he live in prison as he did and then i you know if i had been more up to it i would have gone and visited him and and like told him like you didn't get me right you know yeah exactly but, but like even in like the most formative uh like destructive thing of his life against him uh yeah he was still like no nah, i gotta that person's a human yeah don't get sucked under don't become what you resist he says right he doesn't say don't get sucked under but that that's kind of the idea don't but but anyway that's a message that apparently you know through all the people talking about him and through things that he said on record and not that is very clear about him, which is like, you know, people are people, and they're all fucked up. You have to do the right thing always, even if the person on the other side of the table from you is a bad person. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can do the right thing. Do the right thing. Always. Do the right thing. Always do the right thing, right. So, you know, that that's something that's good to see about him, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well said. That was one of my boxes. Do you? <laughs> Let's see. Do I have any? <laughs> I honestly, it's a credit to the film. At a certain point, I stopped taking notes because I'm like, okay, I I know I can follow what's going on, um, but I was like, I just want to watch it. So I, yeah, I love that notes. thing with with uh, 
uh, Stephen Wright, where he's talking, he's like, he, he would like crush up the money into a ball and the $30 that he would pay us for a set and he'd throw it at my feet and he'd be like, here, you know, joking. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was pretty good. Uh, what did David Cross say? Um, Comics respected him, but they were irritated by the fact that they had to respect him. I think he follows that with, right. if that makes any sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's a whole narrative of, I, I hope I'm not being too repetitious here because this is variations on a theme, but, you know, one of the comedians talks about kind of what Crimmins had to overcome, which was he could be off-putting in his very principled nature. I think one comedian says he could also make you feel kind of small. Um, and so, like, yeah, once again, it's this journey of, holding on to your ideals but becoming your own best mouthpiece for what you believe in in a way that doesn't shut people out in a way that brings people closer wanting to listen um while not neutering yourself you know he what i love about barry crimmins that i've learned is he when once he does the right thing and is like you know railing against pedophiles he's still like a bit of like a loose cannon but he's found out how to do it in a way that's well, yeah, I mean, it now he can change. direct his energy towards something else, yeah. like the next phase and this and that. Yeah, and I guess that's... it's This film I like is just about the whole... It's like a Jedi battle with <laughs> your own your own anger. But not saying that anger should be shunted away. Anger can be good, but it has to be managed. Right. And there's the whole, uh, you know, ending of the film where, uh, you know... To bookend the beginning, it says the United States government and the Catholic Church are still intact. Dot 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 for <laughs> now. And then that overlaying the shot of him walking out of the basement where he was abused in, in childhood. Right. Which is like, well, then I guess we just keep going onwards and upwards and forward with this battle. We do. Even if it hasn't come to fruition yet. Yeah. No, it's nice. It's this movie has like a lot of narrative cohesion. You know, it could have just been like, here's this guy, and then this happened, and this happened, and this happened. I think um, I liked it in the end how it felt of a whole. And not just about, like, here's a guy you should know about. This is what he did. <laughs> yeah. True. Well, should we play uh, Metacritical and then uh, and then uh, pick our, our next week's film? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that what time it is? That's what time it is. That's what time it is. Oh. Uh. Okay, well, I'll, you get some papers together and we'll play the Metacritical intro. Where is it? I can't read anymore. I'm old now. Actually, it's missing. That's not good. Well, shit, I don't know what we're going to do now. Oh, can we not access the internet? It, no, Metacritical intro is missing. Oh. Um, well, theoretically, I have to sing it a cappella. I don't know what this uh. is. Oh. Metacritical. Rob's never gonna win. Metacritical. Brady's the victor again. So it's time to play. I'm gonna lose today. Metacritical. Yeah, it's time. Time. 
Okay, yeah, so that was a, a production file of that because uh, we apparently don't have the finished product. It, 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 it's not my folder. Good I, enough. I have it backed up other places. We'll have it back for next week. But, uh, you know, yeah. now you get the split with Brady on the left and me on the right. And We're giving you those B-sides. Oh, wait, yeah, never mind. This Deep was cuts. Just no verb because when we send this out over the Internet, it'll be mono. So, mm. you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you want to pick the first movie? Sure. Let's go with... <laughs> David Cross is in this movie. Let's go with Men in Black 2. Oh, is that how you wanted to do it? As opposed to... I figured you were going to start with a duck. But Men uh, in Black 2, eh? Yeah. Okay. You'll get another pick. You can, you can do that. Uh, by the way, for those of you who don't know, I say this every week, and I hope this isn't the first one you're tuning into because it's kind of a, well, it's kind of a, it's, it's downer, but I mean, it's very good, but it's a, it's an emotional roller coaster, this particular movie. Um, oh, yes. At any rate, um, the way we play Metacritical is Brady names a movie like that, Men in Black 2. I try to guess the Metacritic score. I'm going to go ahead with uh, 74. Mm, I'm going to go with 39. And then Brady's going to go with 39, and then I'm going to look up what the actual score is, and we'll see who's closest. And we'll just do this like five times. And, uh, uh, okay, don't search for Metacritical, Rob. <laughs> Men <laughs> in Black 2. Also, keep talking, Brady, while I'm doing this so that we don't have dead okay. air. Oh, sorry. Is that Men in Black Alien Crisis? No. No, no, it's just two. Is it MIB2? Yeah. Yeah, it's MIB2. Well, um, no search results found. MIB2? No results. Okay, so we don't have that one. <laughs> We're going to have to go with a different movie. Okay. Uh... Uh, <laughs> I, I insist. When I say we don't have one, I, I mean the Metacritic doesn't Metacritic. have it. Also, keep talking, Brady, because okay, we don't want okay. dead air. Actually, no, here it is. It's Men in Black II. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> Motherfucker. God damn it, Metacritic. Can't you tell that 2 is the same thing as the Roman numeral 2? That should be something. Okay, so 49 was the answer. Okay. And you said 39? I said, And yeah. I said 72? Yeah. Well, I've dug myself a hole already. All right, I'm going to go with the Tommy Lee Jones movie, The Fugitive. What's The Fugitive, Brady? The Fugitive? Uh, it's a very good movie. I'm going to say 80. 80. I'm going to say 82. All right. So I can gain two points on you. The Fugitive. I didn't kill my wife. When did you first watch that movie? David Vermillion's birthday party. Oh, really? That was your first time? You didn't watch it in the theater? No, no, um, no. But at the time, it was the most, because I was in fourth grade, it was by far the most grown-up movie I'd ever seen. 87. Nice. So yeah. I gained two points on you. I'm going to have to do better than that to catch up with that fucking 20 differential... But, um, what's the next one, Brady? Uh, the next one is Tommy Lee Jones. Let's test how far back these archives go. 
We're going to go Coal Miner's Daughter. Coal Miner's Daughter. I've never heard of that movie. It, uh, which country singers is it about? It's about Loretta Lynn, I think. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. That's not that long ago. Yeah. That was like 2012 or something, right? No, no. It was like 80. It won Sissy Spacek the Oscar. Oh. Huh. Oh, I guess I heard it in... Okay, that's right. Uh, when I was listening to one of my favorite film podcasts um, that I can't remember the name of right now. <laughs> oh, who are we shouting out? Uh, no, it's the one where they correlate uh, a recent movie with an older one. Oh, yeah, the next best picture. Oh, yeah. Or no, is it the... Your next picture show? The that's next it. picture show? Yeah, that's... Whichever one it is. Um, Scott Tobias? Yes, exactly. Uh, they did Coal Miner's Daughter with next to uh, um, the, the remake of uh, the Star is Born, I think, Fix. maybe. I don't know. I'm out of the loop. I don't know what's going on. Um, and, blah, and Genevieve Kosky. So I'm going to go. I have anyone. no idea. So I'm just going to go with fucking 88. 88. Uh, I'll go 77. Damn it. You're guessing too close to me. Coal, mine, coal miners is one word. I think it's two words. Oh, for fuck's sake. Now, we know the search isn't very elastic, so I have to type it perfectly or it won't find it. 87. Oh, damn. Oh, damn. I was almost right on. If I was right on, I get a five-point deduction, right? Yeah. Or is it 15? Uh, I forget. No, well, doesn't well, matter. I wasn't right on. So what did you... I said 88. You're oh, scorekeeping, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> okay, and I get ten. You've okay. got a pen, you've got a paper. You can make marks with the pen on the paper. Actually, you've made up some ground. I have. I've, I've made up a whole fucking nine points or something. All right, your pick. My pick is going to be the film with Keanu Reeves, known as John Wick. John Wick. I like John Wick. Uh, I've never seen it. Really good action films. The second one is great. I think, uh, but I think they're all very good. Well, you have to guess first because I picked the movie. First John Wick, I'm going to go 75. 75, he says. 75. Okay, am I going to go higher or lower? I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go with 64. And I bet you it'll be like 62. So I'm going to make up some points on Brady. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. John. W-I-C-K? W-I-C-K. John Wick. Movies. 68. Oh. So it felt right in between the two of them? Basically. I think I'm going to still make up some points. You said 64. Four. Four. Yeah, you made up three points. Good. Good. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. We're getting pretty close here. We're getting pretty close. Okay, so that was the fourth movie? Yeah. Okay, so you get to pick the fifth one. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, who else is in John Wick? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I just uh, kind of started talking, and I'm like, I'm going to go with the Keanu Reeves, and then I had to think of a Keanu Reeves movie uh, in a couple syllables, you know. John Wick stars a very cute puppy. Yes, he does. Uh, <laughs> are we saying Keanu Reeves? And if you don't pick the right thing... <laughs> I'm going to have to kill that poor puppy. And they <laughs> yes, do. I am. Um, Puppies are cute. D- 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 spit it out, Junior. I okay. Hold on. I gotta think. 
Okay, but you got to think out loud because we can't have movie? the dead air. Um. Okay. Instead, let's go. Let's with, go already. Let's let's pivot to another action film and do Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde with uh, Clarice, Charlize Theron. Yeah. Okay. I think Atomic Blonde. Certified. Uh, that's the other rating system. Never mind. Okay, we'll go with Atomic Blonde. Must be about a eighty-seven. I don't think it's that high, but I'm gonna go like a seventy. Okay, let's find out what Atomic Blonde is. Atomic Blonde. Ooh, shit, sixty-three. Okay. Well, you you definitely won because you made up points on me. You got the score. Got the score? Yeah, one moment. Yeah, you got okay, the score. I got mine. That's easy to add up. You got the score. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking things like, pretty hey, close. Man, pretty where, close. Where? Where did my intro go? That's what I was thinking oh, while wait. Brady's adding up the scores. Did you get them? I did. Yeah, I did. All right. What are they? Okay. You've got a 62. I have a 51. Shit. That's about the last fucking, like, guess. If I hadn't been lost by 17 points on the last one. Fuck you. Yeah, at, at yeah that's well-deserved because I almost crept back up on you. Heading into the last one, you were within four points. I know. That's like a nothing margin. I, I, I would think that Atomic Blonde would be rated higher because... Cause it came out around the time that we started to like superhero movies, and it had a female heroine. So the the freaking critics should be like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna rate this higher, right? I see what you mean. Well, it's not superhero. It's like spy action, I think. But yeah, you're right. It came out like kind of around the same time as John Wick, which has been enthusiastically embraced. Um, yeah, I don't know. For some reason, they just didn't like it as much. Yeah, I but you thought it. it was in the '70s, so. Yeah. No, I. Because, like, the action's supposed to be pretty incredible. So I thought it would still be somewhat high. Well, wackadoodle, I'm never going to freaking win this game Charlie's again. There I don't even know why we play it. Why Why do <laughs> I institute a policy that we play a game I always <laughs> lose? <laughs> Maybe it's that search, that constant search. <laughs> to be okay with losing. Uh, there's value in that. Fuck hmm. you, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> My pious Confucius ass bestowing <laughs> dime store wisdom. All right, what movie do you want to do next week? Um, value of losing. I would like to do a movie I watched recently about the game of baseball. I haven't forced you to watch a baseball film since our second episode. Uh, Field of Dreams. I'm going to propose uh, Eight Men Out. About the Black Sox scandal. Okay. Okay, fine. You know, you can, you can suppose eight man out. If you're going to do that, I'm going to say the sixth man. The sixth man. Wait, what is the sixth man? Basketball movie where somebody's invisible? <laughs> okay. Who's is in it, it? Does it not exist? No, no, I, I, I've heard of that. I just or maybe it's a film noir. 
like, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure there's a oh movie called The Sixth Man. I thought it was a basketball. There definitely is. I think it is a basketball I movie. thought it was a basketball movie. Does it have a Wayans in it? Uh, does it have a Bill Murray in it? Uh, I, no, that's Space Jam. <laughs> uh, right. Okay, well, there. It's done been suggested. It's your turn to suggest another one. Oh, right. I suggest two, eh? Uh, let's see. That's an that's an 80s movie. Maybe I go with something more recent. Uh, sure, 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 sure. I'll propose Knives Out. Tess would like me for doing that. Oh, yeah. And I haven't seen it, so... That that'd be one. That'd be one. Yeah, I'm, you're, you're I'm gonna a big go Ryan with a Johnson thing. I'm gonna go with a a, a Bogart. Ah. Beat the Devil, Beat which the is devil. something I've always wanted to see, and it's a uh, Bogart and I think Steve McQueen and not Ooh, the director nice. Steve McQueen but other. Essentially, they went. We want to go on vacation, so we're gonna <laughs> cobble together a storyline, not even a script, and we're gonna go shoot it abroad. And that's going to be our vacation, or we'll get fucking paid. the, uh, the grown-ups of its day? Except uh, probably I, actually I think good. It's, I th is it written by Hemingway? I forget. It's, it's something, like, nutty. It was just, like, the frickin' uh, Adam Sandler mentality of right. it. it. But, like, good actors and good writers and people, and they just fucking got drunk every night and then ran out and shot stuff, so... Yeah, may maybe in fairness we'd call it closer to Ocean's Eleven than yeah, the grown-ups. Yeah, okay, yeah. Go and somewhere glitzy, have fun. Ocean's Eleven. A far more childish idea than grown-ups. Which uh, sounds like a very grown-up idea. But yeah. uh, a more mature movie. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, what's your nominee of the four? Of the four? Yes. Um, eight Men Out. Eight Men Out. I'm going to go with Beat the Devil. All right. Now we're going to have to one, two, three, shoot for it. Do you want evens or odds? I want evens. Okay. You got evens. I got odds. All right. We're going to one, two, two, three. Oh, sorry. Wait. <laughs> I went earlier. So it's, so it's odd. <laughs> it is odd. So, sorry. Um, hey, don't blame me. I, I was going to put out two either way. Uh, yeah. No, so. Um, and I was going to put out But I could have easily just seen your one and been like, well... <laughs> Anyway, so I got it. We're going to watch Beat the Devil next week. We are. We so are. the job for you listeners is to also watch Beat the Devil during this week. Because as always, this is a spoiler-full podcast. We say everything that happens in the movie. So you should watch it beforehand. Join us next week for uh, Humphrey Bogart and other people of note uh, in Beat the Devil. And uh, do you have anything to say before we go, Brady? Uh, yeah, kind of sad to not get to watch uh, Basketball Ghosts, but... That's life. Well, I mean, we can always agree to watch basketball we, jokes at another time. That's true. We can do that on our own time. Carnivorous couch. Shit happens once a week. It swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep. It forces us to watch a film about which we then speak. Carnivorous couch. With Brady and Rob.